My news is I didn't think I'd be preaching this morning uh, because Pastor Andrea is unable to be with us. Just one or two trials that she's going through, but she'll come through it and come through it well because the Lord is with her. So it's a bit of a surprise, it's me. <laughs> Just looking for a sign of encouragement, that's all. Um, even if by the end you don't look so encouraged. No, I believe you will be. That's not, that's not the truth. Um, but uh, I had to rush to my journal, and I thank God, um, you know, in times like these, that I've already got something. Um, and that's what uh, Scripture says, to be prepared in season and out, to always be ready um, to give voice to your faith, to the hope that you have in Christ. And so I'm going to really pray this morning, and I'd love you to really pray with me and invite the Lord to speak to us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you that you are here. I thank you, Lord, that you live in every single one of us who've received you as our Lord and Savior. What a joy to know that your spirit is within us. But Lord, we pray that we will hear your voice. And that faith will come through hearing and hearing by your word this morning. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do as a result. That this isn't a word just to listen to. But it's a word that's going to move us into seeing tremendous fruit in our lives. And this we pray with faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to begin with um, a very well-known scripture, but I'd like to uh, just talk about this morning faith in trials. And as we move forward to really live and possess our inheritance, every good thing that Jesus died for us to possess, it is amazing how the enemy isn't that happy about it. Because as soon as you start moving forward, the enemy doesn't like it. And he is out to do three things. Jesus said this is what he would do. He would steal, he will kill, and destroy. And Jesus called him a thief. He also called him a murderer, a liar, but Jesus identified the enemy as a thief. Now, a thief is someone who comes to take your stuff when you aren't there or aren't noticing. So you're not actually awake, otherwise you'd do something about it. So the thief comes in the dark to steal and what he's out for is to steal your inheritance, but his ultimate goal, and I think very few Christians realize this, the ultimate goal in every trial and test is that Satan is out to steal your faith. Your promise, what you believe in God for, who God says he is and what he said he would do for you. And so Satan's goal is to steal your faith by 
presenting you with many different scenarios, and they're too endless to go into right now. But it actually means that Satan is out to get the good things that Jesus has promised you. God is good, and he only gives good. Satan has come to steal that good and to seek to destroy your joy in seeing the fullness of life that Jesus died to give us. And so John 10.10, let's just declare this word. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. This is the words of Jesus. But I have come that actually you, but they, those who believe in him, may have life. Now that word is really important. The life is a different quality of life. It's the divine life. The very life of God himself, the person, the Holy Spirit. There is no defeat in God. So God has come, Jesus has come, so you might have the life that wins. The life that sees victory. The life that overcomes. The life that has the wisdom that can actually give you the answer to every situation you're facing. So I have come that you might have life, divine life. And that life isn't just your spiritual life. It is your physical life, your emotional life, your relational life, your family, your possessions, and your destiny, the things that God has promised you. Jesus said more abundantly. So in other words, over and above, beyond what you'll ever need. Don't you love it that he's an abundant God? Life in all its fullness is another translation of what Jesus said. Now, Jesus defeated the enemy at Calvary. The Word of God tells us the reason the Son of God was manifest is that he might destroy, say destroy, love that word when, when it's concerning the enemy, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And everywhere Jesus went, he won victories over natural circumstances like storms or issues that were facing, uh, creational issues that were facing his purpose and his will to see his kingdom come. He confronted demonic powers that were afflicting people's bodies, minds, qualities of life. And he also healed all who came to him. But he didn't just have a vision for him to be victorious. He was to give birth through the new birth to sons of God who are born-again winners. We're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So defeatist mentality is not the godly mentality. Because Satan is defeated and we are given all that we need to enforce the victory that Jesus won on the cross to actually deal with Satan 
in real terms. Now, this week I was personally going through this um, story in 1 Samuel, and we're going to look at the life of a believer, and that life, we're going to relate it to our own circumstances and lives and trials, because if you're following Jesus, you have an enemy, and you need to win your battles, because God wants you to win, and he's provided victory for you. Scripture says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we already have the victory in Jesus, but how many of you know you can lose that victory? For whatever the circumstances might be in your life, you might be facing at the moment something that you've lost. Health, something in your family, something at work, your finances, or just something that you used to believe that God was going to do through your life, and you've lost that kind of faith. And Jesus, I believe, through this story, will give back what you've lost through the Word of God. And that's why the word is so important that we reference the word to every trial that we face so that we can know how to win the battles we face. Okay, so today's all about winning what you're in. Winning the trials you're in, winning over what you have lost maybe. And God is wanting you to recover all everything that you've lost. And this is a story about David. David was an anointed man of God. He loved the Lord. Um, He was given uh, a call very early on to be the king of Israel. But he faced a lot of hostility from a man called Saul, who was the king of that time. And Saul pursued David And David was on the run for years. So David is not a wuss. He's already overcome many battles. He's not a weak man. But he's also waiting for God to do what he was going to do to put him into the place. Because God raises the humble. He doesn't raise those who put themselves in place. And he was just, even though he had a word, he was waiting for God to uh, promote him, to bring him into the core. And uh, David was a warrior because he believed very early on, if God is for me, who can be against me? And so that worked out as a shepherd when he looked after the the flock. If a lion or a bear came in to steal, and remember, the thief comes to steal, we have an enemy that steals. So as soon as one of his sheep got stolen, you know what he would do? He'd go after it, grab the lion or the bear, by the scruff of their neck and get that lamb or that sheep out of their mouth. So this is is a supernatural faith he had. He had a you-don't-take-from-me mentality. Couldn't we do with a lot more of that? Satan, you ain't taking nothing from me mentality. Amen. You aren't taking anything from my family. You're not taking anything from the good things that God has promised me. You're not taking from my kids. 
You're not having my marriage. You're not having my future, destiny, call. You're not having the promise that God has given us as a church. You're not having. And so David was already a warrior. And then we come to a time where he's coming back from somewhere and he comes home to the place where his wives, where the, where the people's, the army's wives and children were, and found that the enemy had stolen the whole lot. Let's read verse 1 to 6 and then we'll unpack this. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, and attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they didn't kill anyone, but carried them away, and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anoam, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, you do it, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now, it's hardly surprising David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Wow, it's just such a a bleak beginning of the story. And unimaginable, I, I... I don't know if anybody in the room or in my hearing has ever lost the whole family, taken captive. Uh, The distress and the uh, overwhelming grief, uh, you can't imagine. And the thing about the thief is, he doesn't play fair. He attacks the things or the people that are closest to you. And he gets to you through those people. That, that's a strategy of Satan. Because he knows if he can get your heart down and discouraged, you can lose hope and therefore faith. So the attack was extremely personal. There are some attacks that aren't. And they don't affect your heart like this one. And it's the things, the trials that really affect your heart that are the most dangerous to your faith. Would you agree? They're the things that hurt you the most, that affect your nights and your days the most, that affect your, what you're praying about the most. Because it, it's almost like you carry it in your heart. But it was a bit of a double whammy for David because the men who had faithfully asked, you know, served with David in war, turned against him and um, they talked of stoning him to death because when people are angry and upset 
the improper response is to attack. I don't know if you've ever done that. Do not put your hand up. But if you've been hurt and you want to attack after you've kind of cried a bit, you're like, who can I, who can I get? Who can I blame? Who can I take this out on? And David's men decided to take it out on their leader, which is often what happens. No comment about national picture, because they vote them in and then they blame them. Um, but this is what happens. It's human. It's the human response. But David was a man of God. He was a follower of Jesus. And what he had learned about God before this time was real. He knew the Lord personally. God wasn't a religious God to him who was some kind of, I hope he's God and I hope he's Lord of my life. He was a total believer in who God was to him personally. And so David, it says, did what he alone could do and that was strengthened himself in the Lord. And many times when people are really in a hard place, um, many times people turn away from Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed that about some of your Christian friends or have even been tempted to do this yourself when you're going through a trial, is that you turn away rather than to. And I don't know if you remember last week I used this plug as um, this is who we are in Christ and we, the power that we live by is of another power. It's Jesus. And when you get saved, you plug into your kind of one in spirit with the Lord, joined to the Lord, and you are able to see that life, the source, the power, the ability of God flow through your life and switch on. Well, all the others didn't do this. All those men that kind of believed in God didn't plug in. But the one person who plugged in was David. That is the beginning of overcoming. So to start to win your battles... You've got to go to the source of your victory. Come to me, Jesus said. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So David plugged in to God, plugged into his Savior. And the scripture says he encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. He knew that the names of God, the rock, the shepherd, the healer, the restorer, my fortress, my deliverer, my master, my friend, him who loved me and gave himself for me. He is my God. 
I will praise him. He plugged in to the real living God, the great I am, the one who is able to do far more than I could ask or imagine, the one who can turn anything around, anyone around, lift up the broken, heal the brokenhearted, set captives free, restore, bring back to life the God of resurrection, the God of life, the God of power, the God of miracles. He turned to Jesus. That is the victory, the beginning of winning is plugging into Jesus. Now, I, I you know, I've done life in a, in a difficult thing like this and like this. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's no life. There's no power. I can't see God doing anything. I might be crying. I might even be praying, but I'm still not plugged in. And we've really got to use our faith in these times when our emotions and real grief is like an ocean wanting to sink us. The real issues of life, the troubles of life are trying to push us under the water. But God is the glory and the lifter of our head. He got plugged in. He is our glory, the lifter of our heads. Amen. So he recognized, you're my God. He made it really personal. You know, worship leaders and songs, your favorite songs, they're good, but you've got to make it personal. You've got to take the scriptures, Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my strength. You're my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. You've got to keep connected by saying who God is to you. Because that begins the power. That begins coming from the lowest place, David was at the lowest ebb of his life. He was at the lowest ebb of his life. He had no more strength. Our God is able to take those who have nothing and make them so full of power, they get back into pursuing the enemy and winning again. It's never over with Jesus. It's never over. It's never too gone too far. It's never too much for Jesus. He is able to do way beyond you could ever imagine. Because he is who he is. And so plug into him. See, the enemy's goal, we must recognize what he does that when things happen like this, when bad things happen, we need to not do what all those other guys did and blame someone whose fault it isn't. Because they blamed David. He wasn't even there. But they blamed David. And our battle, church, is not against flesh and blood. Satan uses people 
to come up against us, to attack. But we don't attack people. We go beyond those people to the power that is behind the attack. And his name is Satan, our adversary. He is the accuser of the brethren. Isn't that interesting? His best game is to accuse you of doing something you haven't done or accuse you of something you did do that you've been forgiven of. So whatever you've been forgiven of, he likes to remind you of it and then hit you with it again. But the blood of Jesus cancels out all your sin. It doesn't even exist. And so he's also a liar. So when he accuses you of doing something that you're forgiven of, you need to say you're a liar. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm forgiven. Remind him of the blood and the victory that Jesus won for you. But he loves to tear down with accusation. He loves to undermine your confidence in God. Your confidence in what God has promised. When you read the Bible, he loves to speak in your ear and say, did God really say that about your life? Is that promise for you? You don't qualify, do you? This, this good thing that God said that he was going to do, it's not for you. And he's the whisperer of doubt and unbelief to throw doubt on the word of God. He's always been doing it and he's still doing it today. Fear, threats, he uses it of what happened to your family, what's happened in your history. Uh, threats about when you're old. What will happen if the economy collapses? What will happen if he always throws fear and doubt into your mind? That's why David needed to get plugged in to God, plugged into truth, plugged into the word of God. Find a promise and find the promise keeper because through him and his word, we will win and we will see a recovery of what the enemy has stolen. The secret of his courage began because he got his courage back, you know. And I've been through times in my life where I felt I've lost my courage. I've lost the strength to go on, whether it's through betrayal or through some family situation, or something that's deeply hurt. And you can feel like you've lost the will to fight. But David didn't find the fight in himself. He found it in God. This isn't a, I'm going to win this. i talking yourself up. It's allowing God to give you power to overcome and get back the fight and get back into the fight and get back chasing Satan 
rather being, than being stolen from. And so this fight has got to come back to this man who's called and that God has a destiny on their lives, on our lives, each one of us. Our clarity has to be not what Satan says, why did God allow this? That is a dangerous comment. You see, when people say that, they don't understand the source of everything bad is Satan. God is always good, but he gave the earth to man. And Jesus said, I have given you authority. Why would we need authority if God was going to do everything? So in other words, we have a role in seeing the enemy defeated. Because we've been given an authority over all the power, say all the power, of the enemy, and nothing shall harm us. And so the need is to understand that whatever, this is where we're at, now I need to get some victory back in this situation. First, I need him to strengthen me from the inside, but then I need to know what to do so that I can win it. So David strengthened himself in the Lord, and he was really clear that God didn't send this, that God had nothing to do with this, and that God would give him what he needed to fight the battles he was facing. Now, this morning, I have two particular scriptures that I believe God wants us to take personally this morning, whether you're in a trial or not. And these scriptures are really important because I believe that the Lord wants you to receive them personally. And the first one is this one. And it's uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. What a word. Whatever trial, it doesn't matter how bad it looks, Jesus says, my grace is more than you need. My power is made perfect when you're on the floor and you can do nothing. When you feel helpless, at that point, if you plug in and switch on your faith to his grace is more than enough, the power surge will begin. And his power will begin to move in and through your life and you'll feel, uh, it'll be like your dough when it starts to rise. You were flat as a pancake, but there's enough raising agency in there to raise the dead. So let's just say there's enough power to raise whatever is going on. No matter how dead it looks, God is able to raise it from the dead and bring it back to life. What a raising agent. 
the Holy Spirit, his life, Christ in you. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, therefore, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, David, in this story, experienced that. And so, God is saying to each one of us this morning, I want you to live in that experience. I want you to live in this experience. No matter what you're going through, no matter what battle you're facing, no matter what the enemy has stolen from you, first of all, you need God's strength. Isn't it interesting in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, the word teaches us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might first, and then to come against the enemy in prayer and using the sword of the Spirit. So he begins with, be strong in the Lord and the power of his strength. And so David received the grace. You know, grace is receiving from God nothing you can earn, but everything he wants to give. And the Lord is saying to some people this morning who are listening to this message, here or online, he will get you to the other side. You're going to get to the other side. You might be in a storm, but his grace is sufficient. You might be in a battle and maybe have seen bad things happen, but his grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in your weakness. Now, how do we respond to this? By just accepting it and saying, I take into myself by faith the grace that is sufficient. Right here today, I'm going to go out of this place empowered. Just as David left that time of strengthening, this is a morning of strengthening. God wants to strengthen his people. David left that time from being an absolute mess, distressed, crying, rightly so, all the right that. It's understandable and it's right, but God picked him up. And I just let's have a look at this. Oh, let me just speak to the uh, the other thing that God wants to say, and then we'll finish the story. Romans, my go-to's. These scriptures, my go-to's. Have you got some go-to scriptures? Ah, this is wonderful. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfect in weakness. And verse 26 of Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. Oh, do you know I got absolutely liberated by that again this week. I am constantly liberated by that scripture. But I do know often I don't know what to pray. I might have a promise. I might know the word but I still really run out of what should I pray, Lord, for this situation. We don't know. And I think it's really important. We're not know-alls, because only God is. Which is why prayer is so important in the Spirit. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, where is the Holy Spirit? 
within us. The spirit within us helps us in our weaknesses because he himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he searches the mind, the heart knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, when, when you let the spirit pray through you, whether it's just in deep intercession with words you can't even express, sometimes just a groan in the spirit or uh, just, just praying in tongues. That's another way to pray in the spirit. Everything is happening according to the will of God. Prayer is taking place according to the will of God. When you don't know what to pray, pray in the Spirit. Pray, let the Spirit himself pray through you. And this is the promise. Listen to this one. And we know, say we know. All things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. How many things? All things are working together for the good. After we pray comes the promise. So praying in the spirit results in all things working together for good. Not just the promise without the prayer before, but the intercession, the prayer that then releases the all things and and organizes, God begins to organize your life so that everything is working together for the good, for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. The church, we as a church are at war. We need his strength, which is made perfect in weakness, his grace to receive it, but we also need to believe that he is working everything. Not everything is from God, but he is working all things together for your good. And we just need to rest in that. Relax. See, to believe that relaxes you. In a trial, in difficulties, you're just like, well, I've got peace. Because he is working everything together for good. So David found strength and he found faith. And I believe that these two scriptures is what the Spirit is speaking to each one of us today. You'll find grace in Jesus when you plug in. Strength will come through your connection with him. But also, you'll believe that as you're praying, all things are working together for good. See, Jesus is way ahead of the devil. If the devil had realized what would have happened after the crucifixion, he would never have crucified Jesus. Billions of people are redeemed, saved, and in glory today because of the cross of Jesus Christ. The devil wasn't even in on the plan. And let me tell you, in your life, Jesus is way ahead of the devil. And so no wonder when we pray, we're going to get to the other side because he is working everything good 
to, for, our, for our, our good. And it's all happening according to his plan and according to his purpose. Jesus is way ahead of the devil. And he's never gonna, you're never going to be taken out of God's hand. God has you. And he's, he's your father. He cares about you. And he will work to defend you, to protect you, and to bring you into every good thing that he has promised for your life. Now we're going to finish with verse 8 of chapter 30. Back to Samuel. So after David had received strength, I just, I, 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 I love his relationship with God. This is, when you read scripture, you need to look at it and say, I want this. This is what I want. So David didn't just get back to strength. Because how many of you know you can get back to strength, pick up your sword and start fighting without a word from God? And David could have immediately gone into action. But he said, no, I need to ask the Lord what to do. I don't know what to do. And David inquired of the Lord. This is the last secret to win every battle you face. He asked the Lord, shall I pursue? I can imagine him, he's like this. Please let me at him. Please give me a go. Please can I? He's not like, shall I go up? I don't really want to. He's like, I'm good. I can take him out. Because he's got fight back. I believe some of you today, God wants to put the fight back on the inside of you. How many of you would like to see that happen? A fight back that the enemy won't take from you or your family or your future because you've got the fight back. So David says, shall I go up and pursue this tube? So he's already got in mind what he wants to do. (laughs) I want to go after this and win it. I want to go after disease. I want to go after sickness. I want to go after mental torment. I want to go after souls. I want to go after everything the devil says is is his, but it isn't, because the inheritance is all ours. This land is ours. This promise is ours. This army is ours. It's not even here yet, but they're held captive, and we got to go in and plunder the enemy's camp, because the enemy is an unlawful owner. He has no right to our stuff. He's no right to our future. And so David says, let's go up. Shall we go up? Shall I overtake them? Because he's already got the mind of a fighter back. He wants to, I I don't want to just sit here and say, Lord, do something. I want to go after the enemy. Now, isn't that the New Testament way? Submit to God. Resist the devil. That That is a let's go after word. It's not a passive prayer word. It's a address the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That is a definite promise. If you resist, he has to go. If you resist in the name of Jesus, he has to go. You will recover all. I love this word. Pursue, the Lord said. Go in pursuit 
of winning back everything that the enemy has taken from you. Pursue it. Overtake, and without fail, you'll recover all. I love the without fail. And that is a word of promise after receiving strength. The Lord is speaking over us today. Pursue, you will overtake and recover all. What does that look like for you? What do you need to recover that the enemy has stolen? What's happened in your life and family that you can say that's clearly a work of the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Now, maybe you need to get strength back today, the fight back on the inside of you. But it's not time to sit down and take what the enemy dishes out. It's time to receive from the Lord the power and the strength we need, the grace we need, the certainty that it will work out for good. No matter what's happened, everything will work for good. And the overtake, you will recover all. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Winning your battles. Winning your battles. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that we are plugged into Jesus through faith. Thank you that you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And thank you for your word this morning that has shown us clearly that if we plug into you in faith, you will strengthen us so that no matter what the trial is, no matter how much heartache there's been involved in these trials, I thank you, Jesus, for your strength. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. Just, just speak it out to the Lord. Thank him. In every trial, relationally, emotionally, materially, in your circumstances at work, your grace is sufficient, Lord. I believe it. Your power right now is made perfect in my weakness. Lord, I will boast about my weaknesses. There's so many, I couldn't even name them. But your power is made perfect in my weakness. Thank you, Lord, that you are the strength of my life and my portion forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, your spirit working powerfully this morning, flooding hearts with your ability. Flood our hearts with your ability that what the enemy has taken, that actually it won't diminish what's on the inside, but that there would be an increase of your ability and power, Holy Spirit, for us to overcome. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill your people with strength. Fill each one of us, Lord, with your power made perfect in weakness. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.